The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Jesse Giglio is speaking. We've been looking at the story of Abraham and uh, kind of his journey, and this is the origin story of, of Israel, and it, and it comes out of the, the, the book of Genesis. It's around Genesis 11 and 12, and, and it's around this calling of Abraham. There's this sort of, there's this, this promise made to Abraham, and I was looking ahead this week into chapter 14 and 15. I, I just couldn't quite shake, just to go back a little bit and just kind of make sure we didn't miss anything over these past few weeks, or the past few chapters of, of this story. Um, one of the things I want to make note of as we look at this story, as we look at particularly the book of Genesis and, it, and the, the narration likely given by the, the, the leader Moses, the patriarch Moses, and it was likely written in a time when, when Israel had been released from Egypt and they were kind of in this desert experience and they were waiting for this promised land to come. And if you kind of remember that story, you've heard that story, they're just wandering around the desert and and they're kind of at wit's end, like, what happened? Is this even any better than where we were? We were in slavery, and that was bad, but now we're out here in the desert, and we have, we have nothing, seems, nothing seems to be going away, nothing's going on. And, and Moses, through revelation and oral tradition, he, he begins to recount this tale of kind of where, where we came from, where we came from, where, where Israel came from. And so as you read the story of, of Genesis, it's not just a historical document of just facts. It, there's a story being told. The narrator has, a, has an, a, an agenda, if you will, in this sort of narrative prose, which so is very ordinary written language, and he's telling a story. And I, and, I, and I can't help but think back, and as we've looked at Genesis in the past, some of the, what the original reader was thinking about, what the narrator was trying to get across in this, in this story, and how that applies to them then and, and, and to us now. So as we got through this story a little bit, we've, 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 we've seen Abraham called out. He, he's had this God reach down from the heavens and say, I'm going to do something for you. And I talked about last week, that was not the MO of gods of the day. Gods did not come out of heaven and say, hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make a nation of you. I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to interject in your life and make it amazing. The gods are more so distant, and you did stuff to sort of appease the gods. But this god, this, this new god that's sort of come in, onto the scene, seems to have a different relationship with humankind than, than some of the other, other gods. And so Abraham's called out. He has some sort of ups and downs. He ends up in Egypt due to famine, and he has this sort of seedy interaction with Pharaoh, and he sells his wife, and then he gets out of that, and then he's, he's, he's cruising with Lot, and, and we looked at last week, he, he has his nephew Lot with him, and it would seem at the beginning of this call, and God said, hey, we need to leave everyone behind, this is just about you, and Abraham's like, well, I, I'm going to take Lot with me, he's my nephew, he's kind of like a son to me, and he takes Lot with him, and then there's this incident where he and Lot part ways, and I kind of want to explore this a little bit further, this calling, this stepping out of Abraham and what it costs him along the way, because it's kind of easy to look back, like, oh yeah, these, these great heroes of faith, and they're stepped out and they do these things, and we could, we could always say, you should step out like the heroes of faith, right, pick out these Bible stories, like, that's how you should be, and like, it's not easy to be these heroes of faith. This is a hard calling. It's a hard calling, and we looked at last week this, this story with Lot, so the, in, the issue was they both had amassed a bunch of stuff, and the land couldn't quite hold all their stuff. At least that's sort of the surface tension that's happening here. And Lot's like, we can't do this anymore. Like, I'm not done growing my, my business, my land, my enterprise. I need more room. And so Abraham graciously decides to part way and kind of get out of the way of, of Lot's pursuit, Lot's story for wealth and riches. And we'll look at Lot in, in next week and see how that works out for him. But he kind of had a different track going on. And for Abraham, who was doing well at the time, that just wasn't his track. That wasn't his story. I was thinking about Abraham and, and the calling he had on his life that God said, I'm going to make this great nation out of you. 
And what that would have felt like to have a higher calling where Lot was able to just go and pursue, like, you just need more land, I'm going to grow my, I'm going to grow my people and my, my livestock and my territory, and that's what my life's about. And that's a fine life. I, that, that's what I feel called to do. But Abraham didn't have that luxury of even being able to pursue that life. God said, I have something different for you. And when God speaks into our life these things, sometimes we don't even want these things. Like we can pretend like I want God to call me. I want big things for my life. And then God says something like, ah, actually, I'm good. I'm not sure I even want, want that. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Your descendants are going to number the stars. And I'd be like, ah, you know, I got three kids. I'm good. I don't need any more descendants. I'm, I'm fine. And so Abraham, as much as a, as a blessing it is and will become, sometimes God calling, God's calling on our life can feel difficult. It can be a burden. It's a calling into a different story. It's a different narrative. It's not Lot's narrative who can just pursue worldly wealth and, and accumulate belongings, and, 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 and that's fine for him. And maybe every other person that God said, now, Abraham, I've got something for you. And that's something for us to lean into in our individual lives. What does God have for us, and it may not look the same as the person next to us. And maybe I'm called out to do a certain thing, and that guy doesn't have to deal with that burden. When God speaks to us, we have to trust, and we see this exemplified in Abraham's life. He does trust it, even though it's difficult, and I think there's times where he kind of wavers. Like when God said, I'm going to make a nation of you, Abraham said, I have no kids, and my wife's barren. Like, I don't know how that's going to work out, so let me take Lot, because he's the closest thing I have to his son, so let me just have this just in case. And we live, I think, a lot of times in those just-in-case moments. Just in case this thing doesn't work out with God, I've got this thing. Because I, I know God's big and all, but I, I don't know if you can get around this, so I'm going to cover my bases here. And that's, a, that's the kind of challenge we have in our faith. It's sort of giving way to God, right? We've seen Abraham, he's moving along, but he continues to kind of go back and trying to grab a hold of his own things. But in the separation with Lot, he, he lets Lot go, at least in this moment. So I'm going to let this thing go. Lot can pursue land and wealth. I, I need to come back to what I was called to. And he, we see him get back to the altar in, in chapter 13. And I remember growing up, and I grew up in a, a kind of interesting dynamic of a household by way of faith, faith background. My dad was kind of radically saved when he was 21. I think he, his story, um, he'll, he, I think he'll be here in a few weeks. I might have him tell his own story. But he was basically tripping acid on the beach in spring break and looked up at the, the heavens and had this moment. And, and, and Jesus got a hold of his life in, in, in that way. And he, had, he kind of went through an act. He had an accident at the time, and he, was, he, he banged up his head. And it was just this really interesting story. I'll have him tell it. But, but he had this moment when he was 21, and he was radically saved in that moment. And he, and he pursued God really hard in those early years. And he was in youth with a mission, a mission organization. And he was doing home groups and Bible studies. And, and then shortly after I was born and my brother was born. But one of the things we didn't have is we didn't really have a home church. We, we just, he just couldn't quite fit into the church. I grew up in a very small town in New Jersey, and it didn't quite fit with the Catholic church or the Episcopal church at the time. And so faith was very present in our household. I didn't grow up with, with, like with a pastor. I didn't go to youth group. I, I went to youth group uh, one time, maybe, maybe more than once, definitely one time, and I hid the whole time during youth group. I didn't even go to youth group. Like that's, that's for another time. I just was terrified of these things. But I remember as my brother and I kind of grew into our preteen and our, in our teenage years, you, know, you begin to kind of explore who you want to be and what you can do, what you want to watch and who you want to hang out with and all these really important things at the time, what you want to listen to. And my dad was challenging on the, us on these things. And he was, it was the three of us in this room, and he was pretty mad. I don't remember the exact incident or was of many that he was mad at us for. And we were kind of in this heated discussion with him about 
you know, our kind of lifestyle, what we liked and didn't like. And, you know, you're 13, so you, knew, you, know, you have all the answers, of course. And we're trying to inform my dad of these things and, and, and just really getting under his skin and irritating him. And at some point, he's explaining how, like, this is not how we live. That's not, you know, that's not how we do things in this household. And, and he was really calling back to our faith in God and this higher calling that he expected of us in this household. And, and my brother, I can't remember if it was my brother or myself. I remember the words clearly. I can't remember who shouted this out. But one of us shouted out to my dad, why can't we just be normal? Why can't we just be normal? Like we didn't want to have this baggage of this faith, tradition, calling story on our lives. Why can't I just be like the kid down the street? He doesn't have these conversations with, with, with his parents. You know? And that got under my dad's skin. He's like, why can't, why can't we just be normal? You know, he just started to rage. I'll show you normal, you know, and, 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 but it, it, really, it really articulated something that probably I felt, again, in my life, if I'm honest, and where I feel like God's called me, even here today, like, oh, gosh, why can't I just be like that guy? That seems so much easier. Why can't I just do that? Why do I have to be wrapped up with this thing? When God calls us, it's kind of a calling of like, yeah, you're not normal, None of us are normal. Your calling's not normal. It's different than the other person's. And Abraham has to wrestle with this calling, looking at all the people around him who, who don't have to have this burden of pursuing God into this new land that he hasn't even given him yet, where his nephew's heading off. Like, why can't I just be normal? God, why can't I just be normal? Why can't I just pursue these things? And, and, and one of the things we also have to embrace in that and your own calling is your calling is not someone else's calling. And we'll see that in the next chapter. Abraham, he, he really identifies with what he's called to. And he, and he backs away from projecting that on anybody else. And so for you and I, some of us are really in tune. Like, man, I am called to do this thing and give in this way and serve in this way and be this person. That's you. Why isn't that guy doing it? I don't know. That's not his deal. It's between you and God. And Abraham, when he comes back to these altar moments, it's a recentering of like, this is about me and God. This is something God spoke to me to do. He didn't speak it to Lot. God didn't call Lot. Lot kind of got dragged along to this thing, and he was an opportunist. He made it work. But God, God didn't call into this, into this situation. And so the writer, of these, especially in these early chapters, these mid-chapters of Genesis, these patriarch stories, there's sort of this suspense sort of being set up as we, as we kind of watch this arc. There's these covenant promises made, and this, this great promise right, that sets off the whole story. God's, I'm going to make a nation of you. It's going to be awesome. Like, your descendants are going to number the stars. And he's like, I don't have kids. But God's like, don't worry. I'm going to give you land and people, and this thing is going to go on and on and on and on. It's going to be incredible. So there's this promise made. But we see time and time again, the promise seems to kind of find itself in jeopardy. So God speaks something. There's a promise. There's a, there's a calling. There's a covenant made. And we probably have that some, some degree in our own lives. We felt like God spoke to me. There's sort of this arrangement with God calling me to do something. But then that calling kind of falls into jeopardy based on our own sort of rash decisions, right? Uh, point one, he ends up in Egypt and he sells his wife to Pharaoh. Like, selling your wife to Pharaoh is not helpful when God said, I'm going to make a nation of you and your wife right? Like, that's, that's not going to work. So he gets his wife back, and God, God steps in and intervenes. He gets Sarah back, and Sarah wasn't pregnant, which, which could have been an outcome there. So God jumps in there. That's this sort of thing, this statement up here, covenant promises and preser- you can go back one, providential preservation. So when God makes a promise, things can tend to look like they're getting a little bit out of hand, but he will providentially preserve the story. That's really good news for you and I. So as much as we screw things up, 
he's going to jump in. I'm going to preserve this story. He's like, I made that promise, and I'll be darned if you're going to screw it up by selling your wife to Pharaoh. I'm going to get back in on this. And so God preserves, he preserves the story. And so the reader's watching this tale, right? The next thing, Lot's involved. Like, ah, Lot really wasn't supposed to be part of the equation. Lot's an obstacle because Lot's kind of the heir. He's the de facto heir to this sort of inheritance, to this nation, because he's the son. He's essentially functioning as a son in this culture. And so, well, if God's going to make this, give him kids and make, create this new nation, this new promise, but Lot's already there, what do we do about Lot? Well, then Lot parts ways, or God, God jumps in and creates a story, like, you know what, Lot is going to go over here because I need you to be over here. And these man-made obstacles, they threaten the story, but they're always surmounted, and that's what's great about our God. He can get through all the man-made junk that we're going to put in the way, and we will do that. We will do that to our, to our own calling. Because right? what if, oh my gosh, what if Sarah went to the harem and, 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 and she, had, she got pregnant? Like, how is that going to work? That, that would throw things off. That threatens the story. Right? Lot threatens the story because oh, Lot's the descendant. I don't see how this is, how this is going to work. And so this, this separation of Lot that we looked at last week, and I just want to go back to it just, just again. You can go to that next slide, Alex. Thanks. When, when he separates from, from Lot, because there was this tension in, in the fields, and it started with a herd, and there was not enough space, and, and it got back to Abraham. And Abraham, you kind of knew, he kind of knew this was time. It was a little bit under, under his skin anyway. He, he had a sense, and God's creating opportunity here. But if you look at the, the, the parallel kind of passages here, when, when, when Abraham's going from Haran to Canaan in his initial, initial move before, before Egypt, uh, he takes his wife Sarai or Sarah's nephew Lot with him and all the property they had in Amass. And the language changes a little bit in the next chapter when he comes out of Egypt. Abraham left Egypt together with his wife, all that belonged to him, and Lot went with him. Lot accompanied, or accompanied him in a, in a different sort of text. Lot sort of now is just sort of on board with this enterprise where before Lot fit into Abraham's control as far as his possessions. So Lot almost was a little more innocent then. Like, well, I'm just going to take Lot with me. He's not going to bother anybody. He's like my son, and he takes, he takes Lot with him. But all of a sudden now, through this Egypt exchange, we don't know how long exactly that was through the famine, famine time, Lot sort of amasses his own stuff. Now, Lot is no longer under, under control of Abraham. He's sort of like a peer. He has his own stuff now, his own sort of nation. They're traveling together. And I think there's a, there's a story there. There's a, there's a point there for you and I as we sort of can sometimes grab a hold of these little things like, who cares? Lot's just like a kid. He's not going to bother anybody. But all of a sudden, we lo- see Lot's no longer a kid. And we can talk ourselves into that stuff that we take with us. Like, God's calling me to leave this behind or do it a certain way. Like, ah, what's the harm? But all of a sudden, Lot's becoming a little more threatening. He's, now he's not under abraham's control now he's his own sort of boss and he's, he's he's actually threatening this this promise now and these things can tend to gravitate toward that where god said initially hey leave everyone behind abraham's like ah eh, it's who's it gonna hurt all of a sudden it becomes a problem and so when god speaks things to you and i to look out for to do or not do sometimes they feel like who cares who cares god it's not it's not hurting anyone it's not bothering anybody but all of a sudden down the line these things can grow into a little bit of a problem and so this shift happens from, from Abraham, from control to out of control. And, and now he has this, this opportunity to create, create to part ways. And I, I, I wrote down this sort of next slide. Disruption creates opportunity. I've heard this from some, some great business-minded friends of mine. Disruption creates opportunity. So Abraham, maybe he didn't know what to do here. He knew he was maybe in a little bit of trouble with Lot. 
like, gosh, I, I don't even know how to stop this thing now, right? Ever been in that place of life? Like, I don't even know how to stop this thing. I know I probably wasn't supposed to get here in the first place. Now I don't know what to do with it. But God, through his, his providential preservation, he creates, there's this, this disruption out in the fields. There's this fight breaking out, and this disruption, it created an opportunity for Abraham to step back and let Lot go his own way and, and to kind of recenter himself. And I think for, for us, we, we want to pay attention to those little disruptions in our lives, things that almost can seem unpleasant, like, man, that's unpleasant. And maybe it has to do with your job or relationship or school or parenting or a, a neighbor, and it can feel like, oh my gosh, what a bummer. But to lean in and listen, okay, what, what opportunity is created here from this little bit of conflict, from this, this say, this disruption? This disruption from the herd and, and in the place all of a sudden now create an opportunity for Abraham to recenter, right? Maybe, and maybe, that's, maybe that is painful for a time when, if, it's, if it's heartbreak or if it's a, a move from school or, or, or a housing thing or a relational thing or a vocational thing. Those, those disruptions can feel difficult, but all right, what, what's God doing here? Is there opportunity here for change? What's God speaking? Right? What's God speaking? Abraham, you know, he, he maybe was just trying to let this thing work, sort itself out, and God said, I'm going to jump in here because I don't want this to go on any longer. And God, in his sovereignty, said, I'm, I'm going to stop this now. We're going to move Lot away from you. Right? And these covenant promises, they give way or yield to providential preservation. We'll see that all through the Old Testament into the New Testament. And again, if you are the, some, one of the earlier readers of these documents and you're maybe wandering in the desert, this is really good news to you. Like, oh, yeah, that promise was made, and it was hard then. It's hard now, but God has proved himself faithful then. He'll prove himself faithful now, because remember, Egypt, the, the, the Israel is coming out of Egypt. They're looking for this same land. They're looking for the promised land. Like, where is the promised land? And it almost can be discouraged, like, oh my gosh, he didn't find it. We're never going to find it. But what it shows is God keeps the story moving, right? Now, as we move through the Bible, we have the privilege of looking back on it. God moves, he moves it along. He gets to his son, he gets to redemption, he gets, you know, to you and I, and it's, it's awesome. That's good news. That's good news about the story of God. He will intervene and preserve his family, preserves the family, preserves his own story, because it's more important to him than it, we, than it is to us. God's like, heck no. I'm not letting you screw up my story. Are you kidding me? I will jump in here and make sure this thing goes forward. And in this journey, right, God teaches us things. He does work in, in our hearts. And so we're going we're gonna to close in, in a moment. We'll, we'll sing another song. And I, I just want to put that before you today. Where, where is God speaking in your life? Where, was those, where were those promises made that maybe you got off track from? Maybe you created this disruption yourself, but maybe there's something happening in your life. You know what? I don't know exactly what that is, but I think I need to listen a little harder. I need to be a little more intent with that. Because maybe God's called me to something, and he hasn't called. A lot of a different calling. Abraham has a different calling. You have a different calling. I have a different calling. And those things can be kind of like, oh, my gosh, please, God, I don't need any more calling in my life. Like, I have a hard enough time just getting by. God said, I want something more for you. Just lean in, lean into that, and listen. My son, um, uh, Cash, we were up in visiting my brother-in-law this, um, this past week up in, he lives kind of in the kind of mountains outside of Santa Cruz in between San Jose, and we're at this little fishing hole. There's a stream in his town, and there's this uh, a swimming hole, a little swimming hole, and it's like this pond, there's this kind of like little cliff that goes up the side, and kids are swimming and jumping in, and you can kind of climb up this wall, there's a rope swing, and my son goes over there with his cousin, Crew, and, and Crew's what, like, he's like eight or nine, 
little smaller than Cash, and Cash is 10. They kind of go over together. We're going to go jump off that rock together. And they go over to this, this wall, this, this cool rock wall, and they start climbing up it. And you can kind of see pretty early on, like, Cash is on his way, but Crew's having a harder time getting up there. He's just smaller, and he's just, he can't get the same reach. He just doesn't have the same strength. And, and Cash is kind of going up. He looks down, and Crew's sort of behind. And so Cash is like, all right, I'll go down there. And you can just see, we're just watching from across this pond. And, and it kind of just goes water into the pond, right? So you're kind of right up on this little cliff. And my son, Cash, is just so, so gracious and so generous. He starts going, he just starts pulling and pushing and like willing crew up the little cliffside so he can get to the jump. Like, however he can do it. And you know, you can see crew's kind of like, I don't want to do it, I'm giving up. And crew's like, Cash is like, you're not giving up. You're getting up here. We're going to get you here. And at one point, Cash is like, hey, put your foot here. And crew's trying to get his foot on this spot and he can't quite get a hold. And Cash goes out and he puts his arm where the steps should be, and say, here, step on my arm. And Crew gets up, and he climbs up on Cash's arm, and they get up to this place together. And it's just this really beautiful picture of being generous to another, but, I, that's, but that's sort of God's work in our lives. He will push and pull and prod, even if we're getting lazy and falling down. He will put his hand there. He's like, all right, step here. Like, I can't do it, God. All right, step on my hand. I will get you there. And know that that's God's heart. God is not about moving on to himself. He wants to take us along with him. He wants to include you on the journey he's called you to, not to say, go there, good luck. And so if you're feeling discouraged, I want to encourage you, that picture of just a, a big God, say, listen, all right, if you can't put your foot there, use my hand. I am going to push you and, and, and will you and, and tug you up this cliffside. That's where we need to go. So God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your grace and your strength. God, I pray for anyone who's just feeling discouraged, even in their own walk spiritually. That's like, I, maybe they just feel lost and wandering and, and without purpose. Lord, I, I pray you would speak, whisper words of encouragement and of calling into their lives. Those of us who have forgotten our callings, Lord, I, I, I pray reminders. Lord, help us to be attentive to those disruptions in our lives where things are happening, God. Not dismiss them, but lean into them and look. Maybe there's an opportunity for change in those places. In your name we pray. Amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to neuechurch.com. Again, that website address is neuechurch.com. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you and yours.